creatures. How we view God. That's how we, how, that's how we view ourselves. How you view God, that's how you view yourself, the world, and what happens around the world. Especially right now that there's a lot going on around the world. A.W. Toaster uh, said in one of his writings that what a person thinks about God is the most important thing about that person. So it is important for us to know who God really is, His attributes, His qualities, because whatever you think about God, that's the most important thing about you. And so we want to we make sure you get the right understanding of who God is. So in an attempt to understand God, we have been studying His attributes, His qualities. His attributes are expressed in two ways. We have been talking about this for uh, the last three or four weeks. Uh, we're talking about the, the fact that the attributes are incommunicable attributes. Those, are be, those attributes that are beyond description, attributes that are, are things that only God can experience, only God can have these things, His omnipotence, His omnipresence, His omniscience. In other words, only God can experience these incommunicable attributes. But in the last couple of weeks, we, are, we have been dedicating our time to talk about the communicable attributes. Those are attributes that are transmissible. Communicable attributes of God are those attributes that we as human beings can also possess. We can also experience these attributes from, from God. Now, for example, the attributes of justice. God is just. And we can be just too. God is love and we can experience love too. The truthfulness of God. So we can be people who are truthful to each other. The goodness of God. We spent two weeks on the goodness of God. That means that we can also be good in what we do because we follow God's example. And today we are going to talk about the attribute, the communicable attribute of mercy. The mercy of God. You know, so many people in the world... In churches, even in, in, in you know, people who claim to be Christians do not understand what mercy is. A lot of times we even confuse mercy with grace, and so we'll talk a little bit about that today. Uh, there is no way we can talk about God's goodness the way we've been doing it for the last two weeks without talking about God's mercy. They go hand to hand. The goodness of God goes hand to hand with the mercy of God. Uh, they go hand to hand because God is good; He acts. Merciful towards mankind. So the reason we're sitting here today, the reason we're breathing the air that we breathe, is because God has been good to us, and He has applied the mercy of God has been applied to us. So instead of getting what we deserve, we haven't gotten what we deserve. We have gotten the mercy of God. I found at least fifty verses this week while I was studying for this. Uh, for this sermon, I found at least 50 verses that talk directly and indirectly about the mercies of God. But I'm going to share some of them with you this morning. Uh, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 30, uh, 31, Deuteronomy tells us that for the Lord your God is merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers. He is a merciful God. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7, it says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, and transgressions and sin. So the mercy of God constantly, it's applied to your life when you sin. 
When you make mistakes, when you make the wrong choices in life, God's mercy, He applies mercy into your life. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9, it says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God. The faithful God who keeps His covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Psalm 86 verse 15, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion. You know, one of the beautiful things about the mercy of God is that before He applies mercy, He looks at you with compassion. We as human beings, a lot of times, we, 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 we tend to be prideful. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't want, to, don't like to accept the fact that we have pride within ourselves. It's part of our sinful nature. And so, within that pride, we we don't we don't really like people to see us with compassion unless we're really going through really hard times. You know, I don't need your compassion. That's the expression some people use. But God sees you with compassion because He understands exactly how you are who you are, and exactly what are, what's hurting in your life. A lot of times we don't even know what's hurting in our lives. We don't know exactly what's going on in our hearts. So sometimes you don't even realize why do you react the way you react to some of the things in life. But God has compassion because He understands exactly what you're going through. And then that compassion leads Him to have mercy on us, on you. So He's full of compassion. Gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Micah says, Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of His heritage. He does not retain His anger forever because He delights in mercy. Do you realize that that verse is also applied to each one of us? He doesn't, hold his, he doesn't hold his anger. He doesn't keep his anger forever when we make a mistake. But he delights in applying mercy to your life. So, so if all these verses are talking about mercy to us, what exactly is mercy? What exactly is mercy? Uh, what is the biblical definition of mercy? Mercy appears in the Bible as it relates to forgiveness. It's just another word for forgiveness, but it's different. It's not exactly the same as forgiveness. Forgiveness is what happens when God applies mercy to you. So it relates to forgiveness or withholding punishment. It's a kind and forgiving treatment of someone as a wrongdoer or as an opponent. So you did something wrong and God applies mercy. So instead of being punished for what you did wrong, God applies mercy and forgives you. It's a kind, sympathetic disposition, willingness to forgive, to express someone who's guilty. You receive forgiveness through mercy. So some people have confused mercy and grace. I mentioned that before. So let, let me explain this to you so you can have a clear, a little more clear. Grace, what is grace? Does anybody here know what grace is? Really quick. What's grace? It is the gift that you received that did you deserve grace? No, you didn't deserve grace, but you received grace. It is what we receive, and well, you got it in front of you in the, in the screen too. Uh, so grace is God giving is God giving you a gift of salvation that you don't deserve. So what is mercy? 
is God not giving you what you really deserve. So grace, here comes God and says, you need grace to be saved, otherwise you will not be saved. And here's God saying, I'm going to hold on on the punishment, so I'm going to be merciful to you. I'm going to hold on that punishment that you deserve because of the stuff that you have done, all the wrong things that you have done in life. I'm going to hold that. That is mercy. God is holding that punishment from you. And so God says, because I'm holding that punishment, I'm going to apply grace. So now that I'm holding that punishment, here is grace. So here is grace so you can be saved, but I'm holding that. So holding that punishment that we deserve. And if we really think about it, do we deserve it? We do. Every day we make choices that are not pleasing to God. Every day we make choices a lot of times that we're only thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about other people. A lot of times we make choices in a very selfish way. To help us understand this attribute of God, His qualities, this quality even better, let me explain to you very quick in a little bit different way. We're going to go into some theology expressions here, because to really understand, we need to understand who God really is. So we need to do, we need to do a little study on theology. What is theology? Some people think, you know, this is a big word. Yeah, it might be a big, it might sound like a big word, but theology, all it is, is the study of the nature of God. So when you learn to study the nature of God, and you understand who God is, and then we need to study some biblical anthropology. Biblical anthropology, we need to study about who man really is. Then, when you come and you study who God really is, and who man really is, you said there is no match. How, how do these relate to one another? There's no way. Why? There's no way because when we when we relate theology, God and men, and the desire of God is for men to be saved. So the third thing we need to understand is soteriology. Soteriology is understanding how is men, how does men receive the experience of salvation in their life? How do they receive salvation? So. You know, to understand this, then we're going to look at God, who is the, the theology, uh, who God is, is God is perfect. God is perfect. Matthew chapter 5, verse, 30, verse 48, it says, therefore, you should be perfect. God is calling us to be perfect. Of course, He knows we're not going to be perfect in the sense that we think perfection. But He's calling us to that highest standard. We should try to go for that, even though we know that on this earth we're never going to get there. We'll get there when we get to heaven. And He says, be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we, when we understand that first, uh, the first thing theology, we understand that the nature of God is that God is perfect. So here you have a perfect God. And we understand that when we understand biblical anthropology, which is the study of man, we understand that man is so broken. Why do you think all this stuff? A lot of people question, them, question God when they go like, why does God allow all these things in the world? God is, oh God is not doing it. He only allows it. It's us doing it. It's us human beings because we're broken human beings. We are broken. If you really Look deep down in your heart, there's something wrong 
as of why we do what we do sometimes when we do the wrong thing. There is something, there is a, the root of that thing is sin. So when we understand the nature of God, He's perfect, and we understand the nature of man, that He's sinful and broken, the only way you can reconcile that relationship is through the action of mercy. <coughs> that man is guilty. Now, let me just show you how guilty man is. Psalm 51, verse 1 through 5, it says, Have mercy on me, the psalmist was saying. He was praying this to the Lord. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your love and kindness. The, the reason he's asking, have mercy on me, is because he knew he was guilty. Now, he, this is a psalmist, this is David, a man after God's own heart. A man who was walking very close to God, a good man. A good man in that sense, but we know he was a sinful man. Just like you and I. And he's saying, Lord, have mercy on me according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out, blot my sin, my transgressions. Watch me truly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins. My sin is always before me. So I acknowledge I'm broken. I, I acknowledge that I've made wrong choices many times. Against you, you only have I sinned and done these evil in your sight. That you might be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. So when you read these five verses, just these five verses, which there are many other verses in the Bible about this, when you read these many verses, only these five verses, you realize how sinful we are. And that we need to ask God constantly to have mercy upon us, just like David was doing this. But only, the only way that a perfect God and a broken human being can have a relationship is when God has compassion. How did God have that compassion? God acted with compassion when He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for you. So here's a perfect God, here is an imperfect man, and the only connection between these two is to send His Son to die for men, so there can be a connection. And that's how we obtain salvation. Otherwise, there's no way we can obtain salvation on ourselves. There's no way. The only way is that God will have compassion. And that's why Psalms 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, Psalm 86.15, You, O Lord, are a God full of compassion. So when God looks at you, He looks at you with compassion. Because He understands exactly who you are. He understands that we are dust. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He understands that a lot of times we think we're, we're a big shot. <laughs> really? Think about history. Think about history. Who am I in the whole history of this world? Who am I? I'm just a grain of salt. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a particle of sand. In this whole, in the whole history of human humanity, who am I to think I'm a big shot? 
That's why we should come before God with humbleness and accept the fact that God is a great God. God is a perfect God, and I am not. I'm a broken sinner in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ, so I can connect, so I can have that connection with the Father. And once I have that connection with the Father, the only way that's going to happen is because God had compassion on me and He applied mercy and did it hold His punishment from me. But you, O Lord, a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and look at this, and abundant in what? In mercy and truth. God's, God's compassion moves him to act with mercy, to forgive you, and not to apply that punishment that we actually deserve. And that's why we receive salvation, because of mercy. God not giving you the punishment that you really deserve. Instead, He gives us grace. He gives us the gift that we don't deserve. Do you ever do that to your kids? No, this is what you deserve. I'm going to spank you. No, don't do that. This is what you deserve. <coughs> you don't deserve the candy that you're asking for. I'm not giving you that. You don't deserve it. You behave bad. And God is saying, that's why you, you actually deserve punishment, but I'm not giving it to you. I'm giving you mercy. I'm holding the punishment because the punishment will be eternal condemnation. So I'm holding that. And I send my son so he can die for you so you can receive grace that you don't deserve because he paid for it and you didn't pay for it. And that is mercy. That is beautiful mercy applied to my life. Because the only reason I can stand over here before you this morning is because of God's mercy in my life. We don't deserve this. It's his mercy. So therefore... You are here. I want to worship you. I want to worship you. Now that we know what mercy is, why do we, you know, what do we experience in our life because of mercy? Let me share with you really quick what we experience in our life because of mercy. Because of God's mercy, number one, we experience His compassion. Now, I've been, I've been saying that a couple of times already, but I want to tell you why does He have compassion? Many times we don't believe God understands what we're going through. Well, He's God, I'm human. How can He understand what I'm going through? Look at what Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says. Therefore, in all things, He had to be made like His brethren. In other words, how does He understand? He became a man. God became a man through our Lord Jesus Christ. He had to be made like His brethren, that He might be merciful. One of the reasons Jesus came besides, the, the, besides dying for us is so he can, understand, he can be merciful so we have no excuse that he doesn't understand. No, he understands even better than we can understand that. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted. He, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So he didn't just suffer. He was also tempted. So he understands every time you go through any tough situation, any adversity in your life, Jesus, God, God understands better than, than, than you can even imagine. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 16, seeing that 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. So he sympathizes with you. He understands what you go through. He understands, he understands what you're thinking. And, and whatever, whether it's a good thought or a bad thought that you have in your head, he understands that. He knows what it is. He understands that. And he has compassion because he knows that the reason we think sometimes in a bad way, we think bad thoughts, is because we are so imperfect. And we're sinful. But was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. He did not sin. Even though he experienced the, 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 the strains of these things, he did not sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. You see how grace and mercy is applied here? Let's come to the throne of grace. So let's come to the throne so they can, we can receive the gift that we don't deserve. That we may obtain mercy, so that way He can hold back from us the punishment that we do deserve. And find grace to help in time of need. So, how do we experience mercy? We experience mercy in His compassion to us. Don't take it for granted. When God, when God applies that when God has compassion and applies that mercy let, let's not take that for granted let, let's not do what some people I heard some people say you know what I still have time I'll go to church later I'll, I'll, I'll develop a relationship with God another time I still have time I'm going to enjoy my life I'm going to have fun now, how do you know you're going to be alive tomorrow how do you know this is the last time you're going to hear the word of God in the church? How do you know? Let's not take it for granted. He's mercy. He's full of mercy. <coughs> also, we experience His compassion. Because God's mercy, because of God's mercy, we experience His patience with us. Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Look at, what, look at what verse 8 says. It's slow to what? Anger. Slow to what? Anger. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. And abounding in mercy. So mercy overflows from God. And holds His anger. Because we made a wrong choice. We made a bad choice. He will not always strive with us nor will keep His anger forever. We also experience His mercy. Uh, because of God's mercy, we can experience His forgiveness. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. Who is, who, who is like a God? Uh, who, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of His inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will treat us and he will treat our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the deeps of the sea. 
So it's not for you to go fishing later on and remember your sins. When He forgives you, He forgives you. When He forgives you, He forgives you because He has compassion. Because He understands. He understands every struggle because He went through. He understands the way you think because He went through. The only difference between Him and us is that He did not sin and we do. But He did it. But He understands so He forgives us when we come to ask Him for forgiveness. He forgives us. He's actually more ready to forgive us than we are to ask for for forgiveness. Number four, because of God's mercy, we can experience that relationship with Him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, but God who is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. And the other day somebody told me, you know what, this is, this is like simple Christianity, what we're talking about on Sundays. And I said, yeah, it might be simple Christianity. Let me ask you, how much of this do you apply in your life every day? How do you live your life because of God's attributes? Because God sees everything because He's omniscient and He's omnipresent. How do you live your life? How do you behave? What kind of words do you use in your daily life? What kind of thoughts go through your head? So how do we apply these things in our lives? And why does He punish us? Because He has mercy. He is rich in mercy because of His great love with, uh, with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Salvation is an act of mercy. God is more ready to forgive us than for us than, than us ready to be to repent. So what now? As a result of God's mercy, what should I do? We know God is merciful. And because he's merciful, he is uh, he's willing to have compassion on us. He's willing to be patient with us. He's willing to forgive us. He's willing to have a relationship with us. Because of his mercy, we can experience all these four things. So, now what? As a result of his mercy, what should I do? How, how should I respond to his mercies in my life? Because we are open and willing to receive all his mercies. Now, are we willing to do what is asked from us because of His mercies? Because it's not just you receiving the benefit. It's you having responsibilities to. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? This is a communicable attribute, right? And those communicable attributes are the ones that human beings can also experience. Humans can also possess. We can experience these attributes. Because you have received mercy from God. Did you know that you're also required to give mercy to others? Oh, no, no, I'm okay receiving mercy. Everybody, God and everybody can have mercy on me, but why do I have to give mercy? Because you should give what you receive. Not giving what you receive, it's not a good thing before God, let me tell you that. You receive mercy from God. You're required. You're not given the option to, give, to, to be merciful. You are required to have mercy. Especially with those people you think that they don't deserve mercy. Can you think about someone 
You don't have to say it. Please don't. <laughs> Especially if it's the person next to you. I don't give him an elbow either. But can you think about somebody who you think, they don't deserve for me to be merciful to them. They deserve punishment. If they hurt me, if they did this, they did that, they deserve to feel it too. That, that, that is our sinful nature. But if we have received mercy, we are required to give mercy. Required, not an option. It's required. It's a requirement for a Christian. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, He has shown you, O men, what is good. And what does the Lord, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy. He requires to do justly, to love mercy. Not just that you act with mercy, but you're supposed to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. You are required to love mercy. And because God is rich in mercy, do you know that mercy should be the center of your life? Before anything, mercy should be the center of your life. Have you ever, have you ever read, uh, read uh, the Beatitudes? The Beatitudes, how many Beatitudes are there? Let's see who reads the Bible here. Oh, come on, guys. There's nine Beatitudes. Out of nine Beatitudes, the Beatitudes in chapter 5 of Matthew is kingdom living. Those should be the qualities of a person who claims to have a relationship with God. If I claim to have a relationship with God, I should be living according to those Beatitudes. My heart should be walking in this world according to those Beatitudes. Well, when you read all these Beatitudes, all nine of them, uh, I mean, you, you know, you can read uh, from verse 3 all the way to verse uh, 11. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemaker, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, blessed are you when the elders, uh, when, when elders persecute you because of me, Jesus said. But those are eight of them. And the one in the middle, the one in the middle, the one in the center of those beatitudes, which it should be our kingdom living, is blessed are the what? The merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive what? Guess what? You are required to give mercy if you want to receive mercy. Simple as that. It's simple. You want to receive mercy from God, or do you want to receive what you really deserve? No, Lord, I want to receive mercy. Then be merciful. That's what God is asking you. Be merciful. That's all. Mercy should be the center. It's in the middle. It's in the center. And, and, and should be in the, it should be in the center of our hearts. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, let not, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. 
Write them on the tablet of your heart. So it should be the center of your heart. should be for you to have a heart with mercy. Not to be thinking about your neighbor. They deserve this. They deserve that. And, 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 and you know, and, and do awful things that sometimes neighbors do to neighbors, right? But say, I'm going to have mercy. Because you be the center of my heart. And so, find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man when you have mercy in the tablet of your heart. Mercy should be the center of God. Do you know, do, do you know, you know what the Ark of the Covenant was in the Old Testament? I, I'm going to put a quick picture here for now. That's, that's a picture, uh, a drawing of the Ark of the Covenant. You know, uh, there were two chairs on the side. You know who was in the middle of the Ark of the Covenant? You, you, know how, you know how delicate, you know how sacred this was, right? That if somebody looked at the Ark of the Covenant, looked inside, they, can die, they, just, they died. I mean, this was God's presence. Guess what was in the middle? The what? Somebody said it. The mercy, the sea, the mercy seat of God. Right in the center. What does that tell you? Mercy should be in the center of your life, in the center of your heart. You should be merciful because the Lord, your Father, is merciful to you. So the Lord requires to be merciful. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. So how, how do we do this? So if God has been compassionate to you, show mercy and compassion to one another. Show mercy and compassion to other people. You know, when they cut you off in the freeway, show mercy and compassion, let it go. I mean, it, 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 when they cut you on the street, you know, look, one thing I really, I, I laugh about this all the time, because they cut me off in the street and in the next red light, I'll find them there. But sometimes we do that. And the person who we, that we cut out, we don't even want to look at that. You know, because Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9 and 10 says, This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer through justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Does a person, should a person deserve compassion before you show mercy? No. They don't have that. As a matter of fact, you're going to apply mercy because they don't deserve compassion. So then you apply mercy so you can have compassion on them. That's the same thing the Apostle Paul was telling the church in Rome, in chapter 12 of Romans. Where he said, you know what, if your enemy is hungry, give him food. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. You should do this. You should do, you know, you should do what's right before the Lord. So exercise compassion with people. Have empathy. It, it really, it really got a hold of my heart to see some people in Poland in the news. As they, they're, they're seeing people crossing the border and they're seeing women with little kids and the people in Poland just like you know, they didn't even know these people. They didn't even know these people. Do you need a place to stay? They're asking them. Do you need a place to stay? That's, that's having compassion. 
You know, oh, oh did, they, did, they, did they start to think, you know, uh, do these Ukrainians, do, do they deserve this? They didn't start, do they even think about that? They just said, do you need help? I, I just heard yesterday that in the border of Mexico, in the border towns of Mexico, some Ukrainians are going to start arriving there to try to ask for political asylum into the states. What are we going to do? Because our Mexican churches are doing something about it. Our Mexican churches are going to get together. I think they have a meeting today or sometime this week to see how are they going to help the people from Ukraine that are going to get there. Have compassion, have empathy on people. What do you know if you're going to be next tomorrow? I don't remember. There was a movie a few years ago when instead of people crossing from Mexico to this side, we were crossing to that side. It was a movie where everything was getting, was getting um, it was something about uh, the day after tomorrow. Oh, who said that? Have you? Oh, you? Oh, that's a good movie. <laughs> and I remember in the theater, somebody, somebody just yelled, Oh, now you know how it feels. <laughs> we were crossing, we were crossing from the state to Mexico because we didn't want to get frozen. <laughs> in that movie, it was, it was a funny, it was a funny scene. But do we have empathy with people? Do we have empathy? Or do we think we're always right? We're not always right about everything. Let me let, let me give you news for you. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Number two, exercise patience just the same way God shows you patience. Be patient with people. You have no idea how people are patient with you. No, but I never do anything. You think you don't do anything wrong. You know, people are patient with you. Ephesians 4, chapter 2, chapter 4, verse 2, with all humility. You gotta be humble. To be able to show patience to somebody, first you gotta be humble. Show you with all humility and gentleness, be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, love conquers all things. All of our differences, all of this stuff, love conquers all this stuff. Number three, if you are going to, if you are going to, if, if mercy is required of you, you got to be forgiven. Forgiveness. When exercising mercy, forgive just as God has forgiven you. God forgave you. How many things? How many, how often does God forgive you? We need forgiveness every day. So why is it that sometimes we don't forgive people? And we like to carry that load with us. We need to forgive people. When you don't forgive, you are the worst prisoner of your own prison. It's, it, it's, it's, it's just wrong. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, so if you ever have a complaint about your husband, your wife, your kids, if anyone has a complaint, watch this. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must what? You must do. So, complaints, Pastor, I have a complaint that don't come to me. Don't come to me. 
Say, Lord, I forgive this person. I forgive this person, whoever they are. We are broken people. And we are in need of mercy, the mercy of a merciful God. There are other broken people that God wants us to be merciful with too. So God has been merciful to us. We are required to be merciful to others. I want to finish by giving just four reasons, quick reasons that, as why why to practice mercy towards others. Number one, show mercy towards others because God has shown mercy towards you. What did Luke six thirty six say? Therefore be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The, the point of this scripture is that God wants me to act in the same way that God has acted towards me to other people. So be merciful because God has been merciful to me. Show mercy. Number two, show mercy to others because God commands a period. Well, that's not my opinion. God is not asking for your opinion. I'm sorry to be so rude. Am I being rude? It's because I haven't learned how to behave in this church yet. I've just been here for a month and a half. So you're going to have to forgive my goodness and be merciful towards me. Oh, man. Am I applying this to my advantage, bro? But God commands it. When God commands it, He's not asking for our opinion. He said, This is what I'm expecting of you. Forgive. Have mercy. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what He requires of you to love mercy. God says, if you want to, if you want a summary of what life is all about, and if you are going to be in His family, this is what He requires of you. You need to do what is right to others, to love, be merciful to others. Number three, show mercy because you are going to need more mercy in the future. You will need mercy. At one point or another in your life, you will need mercy. Let me tell you that. You will need mercy. So show mercy. So when you need mercy again, people will be merciful to you. James chapter 2 verse 13 says, You must show mercy to others or God won't show mercy to you. Isn't that in the Lord's prayer too? When the Lord said, forgive others. Our Father in heaven is forgive. For, and he said, he said, you got to forgive others. And you know, as your Father in heaven has forgiven you. So in James 2.13, he says, you know, show mercy to others. Oh, God won't show mercy to you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. So when judgment day comes... You can stand before God with no without fear. Because you were merciful. Because you follow his commandments. And number four, last, show mercy. Do you know that mercy produces happiness? If you see somebody bitter, if somebody's bitter, it's just a lot of times they're holding so much in their heart. They're not giving their hearts to God. They're holding so much in because we're broken people. And the more you hold in, the worse it is. So when you show mercy and you say, I forgive, I will be merciful, I will be patient, I will be compassionate, I will have empathy. When you show this, 
it produces happiness. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21. He who despises his neighbor's <coughs> sins, <coughs> but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs 11, 17. The merciful man does good for his own soul. <coughs> the merciful man does good for his own soul. But he who is not merciful, he who is cruel, troubles his own flesh. He who despises his neighbor sins. But he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. When you're merciful, you take a load, big load out of your heart. And you can lie, you can walk with a lot, you know, a lot lighter in life. But when you carry all this resentment, when you carry all these things in your life, in your heart, let me tell you, it's not good news. <coughs> That's why so many people can't even sleep at night. Because they're thinking about the damage somebody did to them. And they're thinking about the resentment they're holding against somebody. Be compassionate. Be merciful because God has been merciful to you. So the mercy of God is the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful thing that we have experienced in our lives. It's a perfect God. How do they connect to an imper- How does He connect with an imperfect man? Only because God had compassion. Sent His Son Jesus Christ to apply mercy to apply grace in our lives, to apply the gift that we didn't deserve, and to hold back the punishment that we did deserve. So He's a merciful God. Don't, don't you want to be happy? Isn't that what we pursue as human beings? Pursue of happiness. And we watch movies about it, no less than. Happiness begins with you accepting God's mercy in your life. So if you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never given your life to God, you are not completely happy. There's always something empty in you. And that's why people, they look and they look and they look. They, they go over here thinking they're going to find happiness. You're not going to find it in things or in other people. Sometimes we look for people, and maybe this person will make me happy. Nobody will make you happy if you don't have experience first the mercy of God in your own heart. Because happiness can only come from the person who can give it. And that is God. Accepting God's mercy in your life. Realize how merciful He has been with you. He's been compassionate with you. He's been patient. That's why you're still here. And He's willing to forgive you if you ask for forgiveness. You have a chance today to have a new beginning with God if you haven't had it. Father in heaven, we want to thank you. We want to thank you, Lord, for this time that you have given us this morning. Lord, we come before you with humble hearts. We come before you, Lord, just thanking you so much for applying your mercy in our lives. 
We pray, Lord, that if anybody is here who hasn't given their lives to you, we will be humble enough to accept that we need a relationship with you. We need to be humble enough to, to understand that nothing is going to give us happiness. But happiness can only come when the void, when the emptiness in our heart can just be filled with the love of God. Nothing else can fill that empty, that void. So I pray, Lord, that if anybody those who know you will be willing to open their hearts and say Lord fill this void with your love and your mercy and for those of us that are believers Father I just pray that we will not forget at those moments that when we need to be merciful that we will apply mercy. That we will be compassionate to others that need to be to, to have compassion. That we will be forgiven. That we will be patient with people. That a lot of times we don't think they deserve it. We thank you so much, Lord. Because you are a good, good God.
Lord, thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for the truth that your mercy endures forever. Lord, some of us need your mercy this week. Some of us need your mercy as comfort in time of loss. Some of us need your mercy in struggles with decisions and choices that we're making this week. Lord, some of us simply need your mercy to make it through the next day. I'm reminded in the midst of all that we've shared this morning that you even tell us that it's because of your mercies that we're not consumed. And so we just want to celebrate and rejoice this morning that you're a merciful God, that your mercy endures forever and ever. Lord, we need your mercy this week to be doers of your word and not hearers only. We need your mercy this week that we might extend mercy and grace to others. Lord, would you characterize each of us as merciful people? Would you cause our church to be known as a place of mercy, a place where people find mercy and grace? And so, Lord, as we celebrate your mercy this morning, we pray that you would make us just a little more merciful in our relationships with our families, with our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. Mark us out, Lord Jesus, as people of mercy. We pray all these things and ask these things together in the name of our merciful, merciful God. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're one of those who are still looking for the offering place to go by, remember we have got a box back there now, and uh, that's where we ask the offerings to be placed. Have a great week, and uh, see if God can find some mercy in your heart and life this week. Huh? Have a great week. God bless.